When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Thirty-seven points scored, a thirty-point blowout loss, and what's turning out to be one long season for the Michigan State basketball team. We waited twenty days to see it. Now I wish I hadn't. I am the embodiment of sadness, Spartan fans. It's it's getting ugly for Tom Izzo and the Spartans after they lost to Rutgers for the first time in program history on Thursday night. Is there any hope to salvage the season? We will discuss on episode twenty of M Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. It is Friday, January 29th, 2021. A very sad and perturbed Brandon Champion here with Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel. Uh, Kyle, I'll toss it to you right away. What the heck was that? Uh, nothing good uh, is what that was. That was a team that had was already struggling, I think, that um, went through a, uh, a very long uh, break, got worse for it, and um, we, saw, we saw the result of that. I mean, it was bad that they got, they got worse. It's probably the simplest way to put it. Matt, are your eyes still bleeding from watching that game? Yeah, I mean, it was <laughs> – I think I, I, I got up and walked out of the room for like a minute or two early in the beginning, and I come back, and I was like, 12 to nothing? What the hell? <laughs> it was – that kind of set the tone everybody watched. I mean, it was, it was, I don't know. What I see is a team that just doesn't have an identity. I mean, you, when you watch them and you, I mean, what, I, 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 I don't know what the, what the, what the, what they are, you know? Yeah. I mean, and you knew with what you had last year with Cassius and Xavier, there was, a, you know, you always had those constants and you knew they were going to miss them a lot. I just didn't, I thought, I thought they would uh, handle those losses better than they have. And they just, they look completely lost. I, th- I think we all did, uh, but yeah, we- we'll drive. We'll dive a little deeper into Michigan State's loss in New Jersey uh, on today's episode. We also got some coaching news uh, with the football team, and we'll also take some time to answer some of your questions heading into the weekend. It's it's beautiful and sunny out, at least here in West Michigan. Uh, looking forward to getting outside maybe uh, a little bit this afternoon, but uh, we will do that. If you could please like, rate, and review this podcast, it would be very helpful so that we can share the misery, our hot takes about how terrible the program is this year uh, with with the rest of you. I know a lot of you Spartan fans have a lot of thoughts about what's going on uh, with the team these days, so if you could uh, like and rate and review the podcast, that would be very helpful. Uh, but let's get into the game a little bit more here, Kyle. Michigan State was down 15 nothing from the jump. Um, it's some of the worst basketball I've ever seen Michigan State play, quite frankly. Uh, what, I mean, what, what are some of your initial <laughs> takeaways from this game? I mean, obviously nothing good. No, 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 nothing good. And, it, I mean, it's to the point, like, you know, this is 
there's a bigger issue here. You know, um, this is not, you know, a, a couple of guys shooting poorly. This is not, you know, one aspect here or, or one aspect there. Uh, you know, the most interesting to, thing to me after the game was Aaron Henry really came out um, and kind of called everyone uh, to the carpet. Um, and, and himself, you know, he put himself consistently at the top of that list. He was not calling out his teammates. He was saying it all starts with me, but he was talking about guys not having heart. Uh, he was talking about guys not having enough effort. Um, you know, we'd asked him about some specific stuff, you know, about the offense or about the turnovers or whatnot. And he said, you know, we start, we start playing with a little more intensity. We start getting a little more effort in, um, that the rest of that will all take care of itself. So to, so to hear a player, um, you know, probably their most experienced player, except for Josh Langford, um, and you hear him really say that in very stark terms to, to me stood out. And I think that kind of validated it's hard to know that when you're not one of them, but that's kind of what it looked like to me watching it. Um, and um, to hear him say that kind of validated it to me because there's no reason a team with that much talent um, should be playing the way it is right now. Yeah, just just reading from your story after the game, it's a question of our heart, Henry said. I put this on me from a leadership standpoint, from my role on the team. It had nothing to do with 20 days off. It had nothing to do with the time we missed. It was our mental approach, and it starts with me. The intensity and the intangible things weren't there. Malik Hall said something similar. He said, quote, I sensed it a bit too. We have to come out strong. It kind of starts with that, not coming out and letting anybody kick us in the face. So, Kyle, I want to start there. Okay, obviously the effort's not there. Their heart doesn't seem to be in it for whatever reason. I don't know what's going on with this bunch. But, but Malik Hall sort of veiled talking about Michigan State starts. And this has been a, a repeated problem throughout the year. Michigan State starting games slowly. And I thought it was, it was so painfully obvious last night when they get down 15 nothing from the jump. Miles Johnson is absolutely bullying Thomas Kithier down low. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they just get off to this terrible start. It's such a bad way to start a game. The first, like I said, the first eight minutes or so, it took them six minutes to score a basket. It's some of the worst basketball I've ever seen them play. They somehow find a way to claw back into the game and are only down, what, six at halftime, somehow, miraculously. I don't think Rutgers was really helping themselves in that first half either. Um, But somehow Michigan State claws themselves back in the game. And what does Michigan State do to start the second half? Tom Izzo throws out the same exact starting five <laughs> that got punked in the first half, and Rutgers goes on a 16-4 to run, and the game is over. This team doesn't have the firepower to come back against a team like this. I do not understand. Hauser and Kithier are getting bullied game after game after game. Why do they keep getting put out there in the starting lineup? You know, I, I've probably been a little more sympathetic to Kithier than a lot of people in the face of uh, a lot of fans um, um, not being fans of him because it, there have been times where he's given them more than uh, the box score shows or more than the naked eye. Last night was not a good game for him, and it was not a good matchup for him, and he shouldn't have been out there on the floor as much as he was. It, last night was a time when, yes, the fans are right, um, and he, he, was, he was not going to get the job done. And – they put Marcus, you talked about them clawing all the way back. A lot of that was Marcus Bingham. Uh, he didn't play perfect, but he got in there and he made life tougher for Miles Johnson. Didn't completely shut him down, but he made life tougher for him. Um, made, you know, did some things offensively. Um, he wasn't everything, but um, he was a lot of it. And I, I looked at one point, I, I like looking at the plus minus. It can kind of give you a broad overview of how a guy's playing. Late in the first half, um, I, I think... I think Marcus Bingham was a plus seven or a plus eight, and Thomas Kithier was a minus 20. <laughs> oh my and God. Izzo was taking Bingham out and going back to Kithier, which part of that is 
is conditioning, right? None of these guys are really in good condition right now. So you can't, you can't pick a guy and say, he's playing well. I'm going to play him 30 minutes a game, especially a big guy like Bingham, who's never really had great conditioning. Um, but the start of the second half, everybody's got good conditioning after halftime and, and not making that change. Um, I, I, I do agree. Uh, I'm not sure that's the only reason uh, they lost. They lost by 30. I don't think making that change changes the outcome necessarily. And, you know, in fairness, you look at the minutes. Thomas Dither didn't play after that first stretch. He played four minutes in the second half. Marcus Bingham did play nine minutes. So it's not like he totally rode with Kithier, but that, that was a stretch to put the game away. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they were, they were within six. Um, the, that first, that really first opening of the second half is really kind of when it got out of hand. And yeah, I mean, it, it's, um, it's Tom feeling pretty comfortable um, with a guy like Kithier and, um, and, and not feeling as comfortable with Bingham, but sometimes it, it's just the physical attributes that he brings and, and whether yes. he's going to make mistakes or maybe whether he's not, you know, sometimes you got to look past that and say, all right, the dude's 6'10". He's got a seven foot four wingspan. He's got to be the guy out there. That's what, mm-hmm. that's what I think it's got to come down to. Seven rebounds, four points, one steal, one assist, two blocks for Bingham in 19 minutes. One of his best games all year. He's one of the only guys, in my opinion, that even showed anything in this game. But, you know, yeah, you're right. Like, that's not why they lost. Michigan State got housed. The whole team played terrible. They didn't have a single player in double figures. They had uh, they uh, shot 28% from the floor. They're four from 20 from three. They're out-rebounded 42 to 33. They had 21 turnovers. I mean, they're playing bad basketball. But – I think the front court looking at Hauser and Kithier is just sort of like a snapshot of Michigan state's larger issues this year. And that's why people keep harping on it. Like, I mean, Kithier and, and Joey Hauser combined for five rebounds. That's your starting front court in the big 10 for Michigan state, five rebounds, AJ Hogard out rebounded both of them by himself. Yeah. And it's, it's just unacceptable. No, <laughs> no. And I mean, but, Bingham's been here three years. He was, you know, he was a top 50 recruit. He should, I mean, they expected him to be at a much higher level than he is right now. Um, Joey Hauser, I mean, he had the year off. Um, I mean, I knew he didn't come in as some rebounding defensive force, but I thought he'd be better in those aspects than he has been. Um, you know, Malik Hall, I think has been decent, but um, just doesn't quite have the role. Um, and, and Thomas Kithier kind of is what it is. So, yeah, I mean, it's, um, I look at two guys in particular when I look at this team because Aaron Henry had a bad night last night, but he had been playing pretty well. If you can remember back before the break, um, Mm -hmm. he had three pretty good games before the break. Um, And and really after they had that three game losing streak, he was really the guy that that got them a couple of wins and and kept them from totally spiraling. Uh, Josh Langford, I can accuse him a little bit, uh, just had practiced, I think twice, just coming off the COVID stuff. And, and, And we all know that he's, he's not really what he once was, but the guys that I'm looking at are Rocket Watts and Joey Hauser. And if, they, if they're going to get better and if they're going to make a run at this, they need those guys doing more. And those guys don't have, those guys don't have the excuses. Um, uh, they, they should be giving them more than they are. I mean, I mean, Rocket Watts made the position change, but that, that was several games ago. I mean, he's a shooting guard. He's playing shooting guard now. Um, he needs to be giving them more than what, four points that he had. Joey Hauser, uh, I mean, the defense, I mean, the defense and rebounding you talked about. Yeah, but I mean, he scored, what, 27 against against Wisconsin? Well, where has that Joey Hauser been? 
for the last for the last two weeks. Um, his his issue seemed to come down to aggression, looking for his shot, um, trying to score the ball, trying to get to the free throw line. You know, he was ten for eleven from the free throw line in that game, and has not had one of those games yet where he really um, where he really does it. So I think it's aggression for him and. You know, Rocket, it's hard to say, you know, uh, not not shooting well. Um, you know, you wonder how much, you know, McCat was cash is finding him and putting him in really good spots last year. Um, and, and you know, I think teams kind of have gotten the book out on him a little bit too defensively and know how to slow him down a little bit more. So it, um, I, I look to those two guys, uh, not to put it all on them, but um, I think Aaron Henry overall last night notwithstanding is doing pretty well for them. Um, but he needs some help, and they need three guys. And if they're going to have three guys, Rocket Watts and Joey Howard can need to be the other two, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, those are the two guys that had the expectations coming into the season. They're mm-hmm. the ones that are going to get the most of the blame when things don't go the right way. I mean, Rocket Watts is a four-star kid, uh, top 40 recruit in America. This is his second year. He was coming on late last year. Uh, a lot was expected from him. And, yeah, maybe the position change kind of messed with him mentally, and he just seems like he hasn't been able to get into – a flow into his offensive game at any point this year. Hauser, I'm really surprised at how he's struggling. It almost mm-hmm. looks like, I mean, he had the whole year off too. I think that we kind of maybe didn't take that into account as much as we should have. I mean, he was practicing, right? But, but yeah, he wasn't playing in games though. And the Big mm-hmm. East is a great league. It's a different kind of league than the Big Ten. Right. And you have to have a certain mentality to play in the Big League or in the Big Ten. Joey Hauser right now doesn't seem like he has that that killer instinct that you need to be a consistent scorer in the Big Ten, and maybe that's what you're talking about with attitude. But right now, it just seems like an awkward fit. I mean, I, I'm I'm surprised this isn't working. I really, I, am. I, yeah, I am too. And um, you know, going back to kind of the mentality stuff, you know, one thing interesting I thought Israel brought up last night is he said it seems like this team when things start going bad, it kind of compounds upon itself, and you know, the team makes one mistake and. Um, somebody else tries to make a really good play to make up for it. And then you make another mistake and that's how you end up with 21 turnovers or um, a lot of really, really bad shots in a row. I, th- I thought they took some pretty bad shots last night. Um, and, you know, th- th- that's a leadership thing. That's a veteran thing and, and having a kind of a steady hand there. And this team kind of, I guess to steal a poker term, they kind of tend to play on tilt it seems like a little bit. And, and when things go wrong, um, they, they tend to they tend to really kind of go wrong and compound upon themselves, um, and, and I think that's what I saw at least you know from afar, not from Piscat away from my house last night. So. <laughs> yeah, we got a question about Rocket. It seemed like Rocket Watts had more of a green light offensively last year, and he's more tentative this year. Position switch effect, or do you think Coach Izzo has actually reeled him in? This person says they miss conscious free Rocket, especially I, when Michigan State scores thirty seven. <laughs> I, I think that was the case when he was a point guard, um, because I think you, I think knowing when to pass and knowing when to shoot was really hard for him when he was a point guard, because he's, he's such a shoot first guy. And I think it was kind of in his head. Like I can't shoot, you know, trying to focus on the playmaking aspect of the game. I did sense that that was, that was the thing now back then. Now, like, you know, I, I don't really know. I don't think that should be as much of an issue now. And, and I haven't not gotten the sense that he doesn't have a green light. Um, uh, I, I I haven't seen Izzo get mad about these shots. I haven't heard him complain, and, and he would be complaining. And he's not taking that many shots either. Um, so I, I I think he's struggling to create his own shot well. I think defenses are playing him a little bit better and not allowing him to do that quite as much. And 
you know, like we said before, I mean, he, he's not being put in as good as spots. Uh, there's no Cassius Winston out there to draw a defense in and then kick it out to him and um, get him really good one-on-one ISO uh, opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and they're not breaking. I mean, he, he's going to do well in the fast break and that's not working for them right now. So it's, it's they're a number not of running. Things, it's not existing. No, no, but I don't, I don't get the sense of this is like Tom putting the brakes on him and, and, and getting in his head. I think he's got the green light. I just, I don't think he knows what to do with it right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've mentioned it on the pod before last year, even early on, remember people were starting to question how good the team actually was, you know, after starting number one in the country, people mm-hmm. had these high sky high expectations and early on the team, you know, they looked bad at times. They looked good at times, but it was a lot of Cassius and Xavier Tillman in the pick and roll and the other guys mm-hmm. sort of standing around waiting for them to do something. And Cassius with his magic slipperiness that he had, could somehow get in the lane and make things happen every time. And that freed up guys like Rocky Watts. This year when the offense breaks down, there is no Cassius rolling in to, no. to save things. And, and I, you know, that is a huge difference for this team this year. There's just no elite player at point guard, no elite player at center. One thing I was curious, because I'm – we always talk – we always say, oh, Michigan State, they have talent. They have talent on this roster. There's no way they shouldn't be able to be good. You know, Aaron Henry's talking about it's a hard issue – I'm starting to wonder if this team maybe is a little bit talent efficient. You know, I, I, I don't know. They're not playing up to, up to par. I, maybe it's the cohesive parts aren't working together, but I, they're not playing well. I don't – at one the, point do you say maybe they just don't have it? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle here, right? They certainly have less talent than they had last year, um, and maybe some of these guys aren't quite as talented as we are, but – these players are better than having being two and five in the big 10. I mean, this talent is better than having the worst per Ken Palm offense in the big 10. Like, like the parts might not be quite as good, but this team is definitely less than the sum of its parts right now. And that's something we do not say about time and show teams very much. Um, and, you know, at a certain point, I, I know fans are really hard on Israel right now. And I'm, you know, I'm starting to, to look at, to look at him a little bit more too, because it, it's rare that you see him not, have being seeming to be able to find the right levers to pull and the right combinations to put together. And um, it, he just, he doesn't seem to know what, what, what needs to click with this team. You know, I think back to the first team I covered, which was 14, 15, they were really scuttling for a while. Um, and it didn't quite get this bad, but they didn't, they didn't really seem to have much direction. And then about halfway through Big Ten players, so they, um, if you remember, they, they moved Travis Trice from point guard to shooting guard, and they brought Tom Tom Nairn into the starting point guard role. And it seemed kind of small at the time, but whatever it was, it just made things click. And then that team, to me, that was the key moment when that team really kind of took off mm-hmm. and ended up going to a Final Four, and really from you know, pretty much the bubble to doing that. So, um, you know, he seemed to see at that time, um, and maybe he'll still see, you know, whether it's something simple like that or give him more minutes to this guy or less. He's certainly tried a lot of different things, but, um, <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't seem to have the formula with this team yet. Um, yeah. And, Trevor, and that's I mean, surprising me because, you know, there's issues with this year, but we're almost in February here. I mean, yeah. this is usually figured out by now and there doesn't seem to be any, um, any idea of how to do it yet at this point. Travis Trice way better shooter than anyone on this team. And Tum Tum Nairn, yeah, very limited player. I'll, I'll measure that guy's heart up against anyone. I mean, right. so, you know, Yeah. And, and while you talk about shooting, uh, you know, they don't have Gabe Brown last night, Joshua Langford, first game back, he went one for eight. They don't, 
their starting perimeter last night was all in the 20s as far as three-point shooting. Let me, so let me ask you this, Kyle, because it's, it's related. Is this the worst offensive basketball team in the half court that you've covered? Yes. Yes. Is it, um, like, easily? I, I think so. Yeah, I, I think pretty easily. Um, there, have been, there have been teams that, that – that team I just mentioned was pretty bad for a while, but, um, yeah, I think so. I mean, I just mentioned Kempom in conference play, they're the worst. They're worse than Nebraska as far as offensive efficiency. Um, and, it, it, and it's not just – like, there's just nothing with this offense. There's no ball movement. It's like a dude just kind of dribbles for a while and then goes in the middle and kind of gets stuck and, you know, go – so much ISO. They you know, can't so post up. Um, long threes. Yes, and they that can't. is – that, that is a good point. Like a team that just has no post presence, nobody to throw it down to down there. We're joking beforehand about football players playing basketball and they need a Raekwon Williams down there or something <laughs> like that. Um, um, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's definitely the worst that, I, that I've thought of. And it, maybe AJ Hogard, you know, improves. I'm, I'm kind of still giving him the benefit of the doubt because he's, He's young. He got thrown in this role. He did not expect it all. You know, there's all these issues. He hasn't been able to practice very much. Um, so maybe I've seen flashes from him. So maybe he improves and puts it together and gets him on the right track. I wouldn't rule that out. Uh, but right now they certainly look like the worst uh, offensive team I've seen. Got another question here. Uh, um, um, basketball is a nightmare right now. This is not, Oh no, that's, that's not a question. That's, that's a comment. That's a statement. <laughs> <laughs> the question is consensus of opinion as to whether or not MSU makes the dance. We brought this up last week. All three of us said that we thought that they were going to make the dance uh, last week. I think you put it at 65, Kyle. I, I am I, – I've completely flipped. I mean, if you saw my tweets last night. I, I just don't see how this team is making the tournament in this Big Ten. I mean, your next two games are at Ohio State at Iowa. <laughs> I uh... – I, I have this fear of like writing this team's obituary on January 29th as we're talking. And then, you know, in early March being like, Oh my gosh, you, you know, this happens every year. They put it together and make a run. How did I not see it? I was such an idiot. So that, that like fear of like um, not looking at the history of Tom Izzo and, and yes, this is probably worse than most, if not all of the predicaments they've been in at this point. So maybe this year is different. I'm not ruling that out, but I'm still going to go, with the history of this program and this coaching staff and saying they'll probably figure it out. Yes. The big Ten's tough, but that means that you can probably lose a lot more games and still get into the tournament on strength of schedule. You know, I don't think you need, um, you know, if they, if they end up playing 20, like could you be nine and 11 or eight and 12 and make it into the tournament? Maybe. Probably. You know, depending on who you beat. Yeah, um, I mean, and so. you got other, like the, the, uh, you know, the American is terrible this year. You don't have to worry right. about them stealing bids. We already mentioned the, yeah, we already mentioned the Ivy League isn't playing this year. That's right. another bid. Um, you know, the, the Mountain West isn't anything special mm-hmm. this year. Um, you know, the A-10 is solid. They could maybe sneak in a few, a few extra bids, but the bids are going to be there. I just – I have seen nothing from this. I mean, 20 days, I don't know if I was kidding myself thinking that. You know, people say they've had all this time to get it together. Well, no, they haven't been able to practice. It's not like they've been able to do that or condition. So, you know, I I don't say that, but maybe I just sort of tricked myself in this break to kind of forgetting about the deficiencies that this team had. And and like we talked about, I mean, going into the break, they were playing decent. So maybe I had these rose-colored glasses, but uh, I just don't see it with this bunch at this point. 
I, I mean, if, if they can get back to the way they played for like that Rutgers game, Nebraska, and most of that Purdue game, the first half of that Purdue game, I mean, that's not, that's not going to win you a Big Ten title. <laughs> you know, that, that's not like elite play, but that's good enough. You know, mm-hmm. like I think you can get in the tournament playing like that most nights, um, and, and they're capable. You know, I, players weren't using an excuse, but I'm, I'm giving them a little leeway. I mean, most teams, I mean, you watch a lot of around the country. Most teams coming off of a break like that from COVID don't look very good. I mean, most of them score more than 37 points. I mean, they all score more than 37 <laughs> points. But um, uh, um, most of them aren't going to look great. So, um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying not to overreact too much to one game. Uh, well, but yeah. I, that said, Ohio State and Iowa can make you look real bad in a hurry if you're not playing well. Yeah, and the difference between you and me, Kyle, is I can just pop shit off on – oh, I said shit. My bad. I can just pop things off on Twitter <laughs> and just say whatever I want and don't really have to be held accountable. You have to – look at Tom Izzo in the face every day. So, you well, know, Tom, I, doesn't re- Tom, Tom doesn't read my tweets. So as long, <laughs> well, yeah. as, long, as long as Fife doesn't, uh, doesn't wrap me up. Yeah. Fife is Fife is the one keeping an eye on us guys Fife. on Twitter. Yeah. That's no, for actually, sure. actually you should say Fife. I hope he's doing well. He, he, he was doing well the other day, but yes, you right. were one of the people, obviously over guys. So uh, Matt, Matt, can you, would you like to weigh in on the, yeah, I'm just impressed that Brandon was the first person to swear on this. Um, I would have, <laughs> I would have put, I would have put all the money on myself. To be honest, but uh, I'm glad to get that out of the way. Are they going to make the tournament, Matt? Uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of side with Kyle and in, in, in being hesitant to write them off at this point in time. I mean, they don't look very good. I don't think anybody is going to argue with that, but um, I still think there's enough talent there to, to turn things around, get enough wins to uh, squeak in. Uh, wow. So I'm going to stick with that for now. That's what you guys are here for, for rational takes. I'm here to just be like, I hate this team. (laughs) I just want to cry. But anyways, it's been rough. It's been a rough season. There's still a lot of season left, though. That is the thing. You guys are right about that. And there's lots of opportunities in the Big Ten. So, you know, Tom Izzo, this is what he makes the big bucks for. Maybe they get more into a flow of things and get back into their regular practice schedule. You know, get Gabe Brown back in there. He's an offensive guy. Who knows? This team, we've seen it. They can flip a switch at times and look like an old Michigan State team, but uh, really, really poor performance uh, coming back from the break at Rutgers. Definitely going to have to improve if Michigan State wants to keep that 22-year tournament streak alive. So it'll be interesting to track throughout. We'll be there every step of the way. Let's transition to football real quick. Uh, off-season news. This is where you can't hurt me, Michigan State, in, in off-season football. Or maybe you can. I don't know, Matt. But, but we were speculating on who was going to replace uh, Tressel on the, on, the, uh, on the coaching staff there. And uh, I believe you dropped the replacement's name on the last pod. So, so nice work there. But uh, fill us in on, on the coaching move. Okay, yeah. So obviously Mike Trestle left to be the D.C. at uh, Cincinnati, which took forever to become official. But um, it was just Wednesday when they announced it, uh, Cincinnati at least on their end. Um, so Mel hired from within. He hired uh, Javaris Tillman, who was a senior defensive assistant on the staff uh, this, this past season. And I think it was – I don't know. I'm not surprised at all. I know that there were a lot of names that people were throwing out there, like Klingscale from, from Kentucky um, or uh, – Geez, on my blanking right now from from Pittsburgh, Archie Collins. Um, but no, I think this made this made sense. I mean, this is this is one of Tucker's guys. He coached with him at Georgia uh, for three seasons. He brought him to Colorado as his DB's coach in nineteen, and he kept him on staff th- this past year. Um, and you know, I you know, I, I last time last week I had said that you know Mike Trestle's a great coach, great resume, but his spot on the staff always seemed forced. 
you know, he had a two-year deal and it just seemed like they just needed to find a spot to put him in. And that this is kind of more of how Tucker would have put his staff together, I think, um, initially. So um, now you got um, Harlan Barnett moves from corners to the defense. He's the overall secondary coach and um, Tillman takes uh, corners. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, this is a guy he's got, he was a standout player at Georgia tech. He was a second round draft pick, spent seven years in, in the NFL, you know, I mean, the guy knows how to, knows the position, he knows football and, and, you know, it seems like a pretty well-respected guy and I think it's a solid hire. So, um, and then after that, or before that, the day before uh, Mel announced that uh, Chris Kapilovic, uh, the offensive line coach and run game coordinator is also new, the new assistant head coach. Um, so that's just a title change. He's still doing what he did before. What does an assistant head coach do? Uh, probably makes a couple more dollars for <laughs> taking that title on. Um, I don't know. That's a very good question. I mean, you look in the past and I mean, it's rotated around at Michigan state. It was um, Mike Trestle had, it, nobody had the title in, in, two, in last season, this season, whatever you want to call it, 2020. Uh, Mike Trestle had it in 19, I can't remember. I'll have to go back and look. I can't remember who had it in 18. Um, I think Mark Staten had it back in like 17. If I'm, you know, I, I don't really know, but I, I, you know, it's a promotion and title and probably gets you a few more dollars. So um, not anything. I think anybody gets uh, overly worked up about outside the program. I always just assume that they maybe did the same thing that like Mel did just kind of like, as sort of like a backstop. Or like, you know, like they yeah. get to check in with the other position groups and then yeah, maybe, maybe report to Mel, like a my, go-between or something. My, my, my guess, um, I don't know much about football, but I'll give you my guess is that uh, maybe they think that other programs might want to hire him away. So yeah. give him a few more dollars, um, make him enticed to stay. And sometimes I think you got to up the title a little bit to, if you want to give a guy a few more dollars. So yeah. I mean, he's got that right. And we see Kapil- Kapilovic, I mean, pulling in these – I swear he's everywhere on the recruiting trail, pulling in these linemen from all over the place. I mean, Michigan State's recruiting – what in the 2022 class, they have two linemen right now, right? And one yep. of them's from yep. Georgia and one's from Arizona. So, right. like, yep. he seems like a pretty good recruiter, this Kapilovic guy. Yeah, you know, I mean, and he's uh, – you know, he's a guy Mel's raved about since uh, – well, since we've – you know, they've both been here. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I remember we had uh, – we talked to him on the phone back in the last – and then we had one zoom with him this fall i think it was after the penn state game if i'm not mistaken uh, not penn state i'm sorry um northwestern um yeah i mean he's a really energetic guy i mean you look at it you know he began his career coaching in, in high school and it was i think 2000 before he made the you know the leap to uh college and he's been a, you know he's grinded it out and yeah yeah i bet um yeah i don't know good coach we've got a couple uh recruiting questions here it's obviously still the off season <clears throat> excuse me uh how will ron bellamy affect michigan state's recruiting by going to that school in ann arbor michigan state lost all the players from a high school that appeared to be almost a lock for msu and now harbaugh hires bellamy i don't know which high school he's referring to but maybe you do uh yeah but ron bellamy was the uh, head coach at west bloomfield or the second part of the question they're talking about i assume they're referencing belleville um because michigan state lost Julian Barnett, Devontae Dobbs, and uh, Davion Williams were all Bellevue guys. But they do have uh, – still have two Bellevue guys on the roster. Jazz Watts was a redshirt junior walk-on receiver, and Jalen Hunt, who's a redshirt freshman defensive tackle. And he's got a promising future, I think. So 
I, I wouldn't say the pipeline to Bellevue, Belleville is completely closed. Um, but I would, I would say that Ron Bellamy going from West Bloomfield to Michigan is certainly not going to help Michigan State's chance of recruiting that school. Uh, you know, Bellamy's a you know, well-respected guy. Um, Trey Mosley a, is a West Bloomfield uh, product who, who played for, for Ron. So, uh, and that's a school they're going to have to continue to try and recruit. If you look at the 2022 cycle, uh, two of the, of the top six players in the state are from there, Dylan Tatum and uh, Michael Williams, and they both have both, I think this month, they both put out top tens or whatever you guys want to put into that. Uh, and Michigan, Michigan State are in full. So, I mean, it, it won't make it any easier, but look at what Michigan State did last year. It's basically the same thing. When um, you, you hire Courtney Hawkins as your wide receivers coach, you're taking a long time. You're taking a program alum and a long time head coach high school coach who's well-respected and you bring him back and, and he's going to recruit that position. So interesting. It'll make recruiting a little more difficult for him. I, I would assume. And then uh, we got another question um, sort of something we were just talking about uh, before we started recording any su- potential surprises in the late signing period. I anticipate Ray Sean Benny signing. We'll be a little surprised if Keon Coleman does uh, any other smoke out there, not counting from our basketball impro- implosion. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think all indications are Bell, um, uh, Benny will sign on Wednesday. Is what he said he was going to do back in December, and you know that should do it. So, and maybe maybe he's the the last guy they add. Um, he's certainly a notable one, uh, four star guy, only one of the two four star guys in the class. Um, but Keon Coleman's the one uh, reference that's to look for, um, and that's interesting. We were talking about before we started. You know, he's a guy who plays at a small school and in Louisiana. And he, he also plans on playing basketball in college. He was one time committed to Kansas uh, during the summer for a little bit. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, he's, you know, six foot four or whatever it is. So interesting wide receiver target and also, uh, you know, basketball thing, which I know some of these guys, always, you know, talk about it. It constantly comes up, but playing both in college is obviously incredibly difficult, but I don't know. He's a tough one to get a read on. Um, and it's not like Michigan State has a great history um, recruiting Louisiana, although um, Mel's new staff has ties there that Marks didn't. Um, and then um, oh, there's a defensive end from, uh, I think it's from Minnesota, Davon Townley, if I remember right. Um, he, he's, he's another guy that has talked about Michigan State being one of his top schools, but I don't know that they'll actually get him or Keon, and it might just be uh, might just be Rayshon in a, in a quiet day, but um, – there could be some surprise out there. 247 has uh, 13 predictions in for Keon Coleman. 95% of them say he's still going to go back to Kansas. Uh, I think then, those are all old, though, probably. And then Oklahoma's in there, too. But Auburn, Michigan State, Ole Miss are the other three listed as warm. So maybe there's a chance here. But, uh, you know, I mean, he's, he's rated as a three-star uh, athlete on, on 247 for, for football. So I don't know if he's – viewed as a better basketball recruit or viewed as a better football recruit. I, I can't really get a straight answer from anyone. I think, on it, it. I think it's football is my, is my guess. Okay. I, at least what I see. Cause I don't, yeah. Why the heck would he want to go to Kansas then? If he's going to play football. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about the doldrums, man. That's hey, haven't you seen those, haven't you seen those basketball dorms they got there? I wouldn't call it a dorm. The bat, the uh, basketball housing for the players. And maybe he, maybe it's like a package deal where you can well, get we, in that Well, we know they got a stacked payroll in Lawrence. I mean, they, they, they are paying the luxury tax there. So just ask Bill Self. Okay, sorry, I shouldn't say that. But, 
Anyways, he, he, he said it, not me. Oh yeah, <laughs> you're thinking it. Uh, anything else? Uh, let's see. Do we got any other questions here? Uh, looks like we've covered most of it here. You got anything else you guys want to add? Do we miss any th- any other news? Any big plans for the weekend? No. <laughs> I haven't had any big plans in uh, coming up on 11 months now since I had any plans of any. Well, I shouldn't say that, but pretty much, yeah. That's it's been about 11 months since I had plans of any shape hmm. or form. My my kids are old enough to like sled now. I like actually like go sledding, and man, that that I don't know if I'll do it this weekend. But I've been out a couple times, and man, that Ooh. that takes you back. How's your when back you, when feel? you get kids? You're old enough. I, my back feels okay. <laughs> I mean, I gotta I gotta my kids get tired. I gotta drag them up the hill. So that's a good workout. But sledding is just as much fun at age 33 as it is at age. 10. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not getting any worse. You like sledding and like swimming and just like doing things like that, like just. They remind you how fun, like riding a bike. I rode a bike mm-hmm. last summer for the first time in forever. It's like, it's so much fun. Like, <laughs> I forgot how much fun just doing like little kid stuff is. That's, I guess that's one thing that the pandemic has reminded me of. But I booked mm-hmm. an igloo for tonight. So oh. I'm going to go go hang out with the wife in one of the igloos here in Grand Rapids. So. Is, that like, is that like a restaurant thing? No, they, they just have like those igloos outside, you know, no, the private ones. They're like little private igloos with a table mm-hmm. inside. We're not, it, we're not that fancy here in Lansing, are we? <laughs> Maybe you're just not looking. Maybe you're just not looking. We got to do I what saw. we, yeah, we got to do what you, what you can, you know, these days. You know, I like to try and support the local businesses still. So, you know, I, yeah, I saw the peanut, peanut barrel had just straight heaters out on, on the patio and it oh, like, I- drove by a couple of weeks ago and it was there was a line to get on the patio. It was probably 30 degrees, you know? Um, yeah. What was the average age of those people in line? 23, uh, 22? I, I was dry. I was dry. No, they looked probably, they were probably older. I mean, Crunchies was never like your super college hangout spot. It was, you know, not the college kids. It's a lot of, I think there was more of the. I thought you said peanut barrel. Alumni. Oh, did I just say Crunchies? I'm sorry. I did mean peanut barrel both times is what I should have said. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'm well, rambling. Yeah, no, we all are. Let's get out of here. It's almost weekend time, but uh, appreciate you guys for being here. If you guys could rate and review the podcast, again, really helpful uh, for us. Check out all our coverage on MLive.com. We're all over everything. Uh, Michigan State's back in action, what, Sunday, Kyle, or at Ohio State? Uh, Yeah, Sunday at Ohio State, Tuesday uh, at Iowa. So that's a COVID schedule for you, two road beings in three days. Well... If Michigan State is going to do anything with this season, we're going to find out real quick. So uh, we'll be watching. Hopefully better results than that disaster in Piscataway. But uh, appreciate everyone for listening. And until next time, thanks for listening. And go Green.